Hey, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with me, Rob Kosberg. Every week, I interview thought leaders and experts who have used the book to grow their income and their impact. So tune in weekly for these interviews so you can learn how to use your own best-selling book and go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. It's Rob Cosper here. Got another episode of the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. Excited to have a uh, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Christopher Ungerbach. He's the former CEO of a global tech company and a leadership language expert. His Wall Street Journal book, 22 Talk Shifts, Tools to Transform Leadership, we'll talk a little bit about today. Uh, his insights have appeared in numerous national and international publications, including NPR, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, and now, finally, the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. So, uh, <laughs> Krista, great to have you with us today to talk a little bit about your book and, interestingly, how you're using your book. So, welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. I don't know, the only thing that I'm more passionate about than writing books and uh, helping people change their lives is maybe marketing the books to help people change their minds, yeah. <laughs> change their lives. Yeah. You know, that is uh, certainly a big sticking point for people. And I know you're doing a lot of things. You've obviously done some things really successfully. Your book's uh, number one Wall Street Journal. That's, uh, you know, we have a lot of Wall Street Journal. My book, is a Wall Street Journal. It's not number one though. So I know what it takes just to get on the list and it's uh, yeah. a good deal of work. So congratulations on that. Yeah. Well, we were actually that week, Oprah had a new book and we were just, <laughs> so you know? I was, yeah, you know, I was, I'm still in CEO kind of groups from back when I was CEO of a software company and I've stayed in that group because I'm close to them. And like three years ago, we uh, sat down and we did one of those visioning, like, you know, summarize your vision for the next 10 years in a kind of a tagline, if you will. And after doing two or three days of exercises and thinking about it, you know, I was already in the author world. And I said, you know, my tagline is to be Oprah ready. <laughs> and the intention for me was really like, is my message to a point that like, I, not that I would ever get on Oprah's show. That's like, but well, am I physically in shape that I wouldn't be embarrassed that I'm like, Oh my God, that's my one moment of fame. And there I am like overweight on stage. <laughs> and uh, but it was the thing that was really like powerful for me was this amazing coincidence that we, you know, that we said, hey, let's do a promotion to try to get on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list that we actually hit number one. And Oprah's book was number two on the ebook Ooh, list. That, that's a, that's that a screenshot like, right there. <laughs> it was kind of a, wow, maybe I could be on Oprah someday. And now I need to you know, I really get in shape because I haven't made much progress on the physical <laughs> fitness, which was the primary reason for this goal. Right. So, anyway. Love it. Love it. Well, talk to me about 22 talk shifts. What was the the genesis of writing that book? Was it transitioning out of your, your corporate job and transitioning into something else. Talk to me about the genesis and also kind of the magic behind the book. So for me, so we rewrote this book five times. Wow. Uh, I had a, quite a few editors and people who helped me kind of through the process. And uh, and ultimately, the challenge that I was trying to crack, which was ultimately the problem that happened to me in my life, was I had read all these books on leadership and communication and business, like many successful business leaders do. We had an amazing success you know, in the business. I mean, the company was sold last year for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm still an owner in that. 
But ultimately, like my personal life just basically fell apart. And my relationships in business, while we had great results, I wasn't necessarily, didn't have really strong relationships with those people in business. And I was just like, what was I missing all this time? And what I really wanted to do and what took it, made it so hard is I wanted to write a book that was equally powerful as a business leadership book, but also a book for people to transform their relationships with their spouses and their right. children. And That's good. and it's kind of a really like, you know, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to hire uh, and involve myself with people. You know, I was a CEO of a tech company. Like I'm not a writer, yeah. you know, who's, who's to think that I'm going to write a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller on like my first swing of the bat, right? right. And ultimately it was the fifth swing because we literally rewrote this book five separate times or four separate times, five separate drafts before it was published over five years. Wow. It wasn't until I actually really found the right people to kind of help me navigate that process that the book would have never been the success that it was because if it's not a quality product, right? We, like you, do a lot of Facebook ads, but I didn't really go for that or even like consider, you know, kind of trying to get onto the Wall Street Journal bestseller list until the book was already out. And we are already getting like reviews from strangers on Amazon saying, wow, this you know book is changing my life. And like yeah. people text because like, why invest money in marketing a book or any product if it's, it doesn't already have some inbuilt referral capacity? So you got to first have a good product. Yep. You have a crappy product and everyone's going to tell others how bad it is. Then that's a really not a great thing to advertise on Facebook. Yeah. You don't want to get a lot of eyes on a crappy product. (laughs) Yeah. So it is, you know, I don't know that for me, I think it was really, it is a book that I was finally, the very first version of the book four years ago, I worked with a company and uh, in large part, I wasn't really clear on what I wanted the book to be, but uh, I ultimately, I was like, you know, the, the only thing worse than, you know, I was originally thinking, well, I'm going to have some people help me because I'll just have my first book be like, it's like the beta test, right? I'll learn what I can. And my second book will be the book that I'll go big. Yeah. Somebody told me at one point, he said, you know what? The last thing that you want is a book that's out in the world that you're embarrassed about, hmm. that you want to tell people like, you know, you hold up the book and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Just wait till my next book. I don't want you to actually buy this book because I'm afraid I'm embarrassed about it. And that was like, oh yeah, that's a really good point. I could already see that. I was like, you know, I know that's not my best work and I'm not going to be proud to put it in people's hands uh, because of the quality of like just the writing. And so I kind of pulled it back and said, and ultimately it was four more years before we actually published a book, uh, which I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Talk to me about who primarily the audience is and also maybe kind of, you know, walk me through a little of how you're using the book, what that looks like. Like you have an ideal client, the audience, et cetera. Well, so this is something that we like, we've done you know, the opposite of what everyone will say to do with a book is we, it is kind of a book for, I don't want to say everyone, but yeah. I have people from like, I have 85 year old grandmothers who've never worked a day in corporate life in their life calling me like in tears about how this book is helping their children in their forties, you mm-hmm. know, and then their grandchildren and things right. like that. And then I have entrepreneurs like me who are like, oh my gosh, this is transforming my leadership, how I speak to people. And then I have like stay-at-home moms that are in their you know 40s that are using the book as a framework to transform their marriage to you know sometimes a, a man who uh, is a professional-oriented person. So right. we looked our ideal clients as really like two or three. It's like it's the woman who's in a uh, troubled marriage 
probably to somebody who's a career-oriented person like myself, like I was. Another is the kind of aging parent who wants to recover a relationship with a distant child or the 40, 50 something child who wants to kind of deepen their relationship with an aging parent before they pass. Hmm. And then there's another audience, the, you know, the younger leader entrepreneur who just wants to read the book as a business book to be a right. better leader and grow their, grow their company. So I don't have a really good answer for like, we don't have an ideal you customer. Went you went broad with the audience. Yes. I remember actually when I was losing a lot of money in the three or four times of things, like I said, you know, I took the, I'm going to go big or go home approach. And then like COVID hit and I was like, well, and I'm home already. So (laughs) there you go. Yeah. But we, I don't, we've probably invested about a million dollars in this book and uh, we're just now getting to a point where we're actually turning it into a profitable enterprise to recoup our million dollars. Nice. Okay. So there are a lot of people that are listening and their eyebrows just really went up when you said you invested a million dollars into the book. So obviously, you know, you don't have to tell me every detail, but talk to me a little bit about what that investment looked like because that's well, a small say, amount of money. Well, so one, let's think about it, like why, right? So I come from the software business and I just looked at like, if I look purely as an investor, a book is a mailbox money product, right? Yeah. If you can get to a point where you can sell 50 or 100,000 books and this book has enough word of mouth factor that it just becomes a self-sustaining thing. If you look at that as an investor, if you could create a cash flow stream of even $100,000 a year for the next 20 years, would you be willing to spend a million dollars to get $100,000 for free? Of course. For 20 years. Of course, right? So I looked at it like, you know, it wasn't just I was like, ah, I want to go, you know, spend a bunch of money and be number one on the Wall Street Journal right. bestseller. It was really looking at it like an investment. So that was that. I'd say the investment broke down probably about a quarter of a million dollars was really research. Admittedly, it was me like basically using myself as a guinea pig. Like, what did I miss? And, right. you know, basically just hiring high-end coaches, like, you know, some of these coaches that'll charge you $50,000 for, you know. Sure. So I went and I explored a lot of different avenues to find these tools that we ultimately published. I would say another quarter of a million dollars was just in any combination of editing, cover design, you know, there was some parts, uh, initially there was some of the first versions of the book were ghostwritten. So like all of those things kind of all together. Right. Once we saw that the book was catching on, we actually did a second edition. So that would mean that was like $25,000. You know, we were like, hey, let's resolve some of the problems that we know are in the book. Again, probably about a quarter million. And then the marketing net, probably about 500,000 in marketing. And I would say we probably invested about a million in marketing, but the 500,000 is what we lost, right? right. So obviously we had we had sales. Yeah, that half a million should come back. Yeah, we probably spent about a 1.5 million in marketing now I think about it. And then we've gotten basically a million back. You know, basically Facebook was probably the beneficiary of most of that money. Yep. But we're now to the point where the, you know, it's to the point where we're seeing that, oh, we're we're now like we're just around the corner from breaking even and turning it into that, you know, hundred, two hundred, maybe even five hundred thousand dollar a year revenue stream that love it. That doesn't require coaching. I don't necessarily have to do any work to get that revenue back. And I do want to be clear, like my vision, I, you know, I sold my company, like I'm doing this every dollar of profit actually is going to be donated. So I'm not taking a single dollar of personal compensation for this. Beautiful. It's really about 
our mission is to change the words of the world, you know, the people using their marriages, with their children, with their parents, but also with their employees at work. And I think that this book has the potential to do it with the right marketing. I love it. I love it. There's a lot that you said there that I'm sure people are wondering about. I know that I am. The first part that comes to mind is the funnel stuff and the ways that you're recouping it. But I want to hold that until just a few minutes more towards the end. Talk to me about what the 22 talk shifts are. You don't have to go through every single one of them. You know, how do they segment out this idea of you uh, reinvesting so much money and doing it not really to make a profit, but to give back means that, you know, this is something very, very significant. So talk to me about what those talk shifts are. So the talk shifts are the things that I wish I had when I was a leader, you know, running my company is they are there's 22 chapters and each chapter has specific fill in the blanks phrases, provocative questions or exercises that you can use the moment you close that page in the book. I mean, like you get immediate change Love that. and it's just very practical. Like a good example, I have like emotional intelligence is something that's tons of research that leaders who have more emotional intelligence are more successful. And I read Daniel Goleman's book back in the 1990s, and I probably read three or four other emotional intelligence books. And I thought that I was actually an emotionally intelligent leader. But what I realized is actually I was using words that actually fooled me into think I was talking about emotions, but I actually wasn't because I would use the word I feel. And they're actually in the book, we talk about some specific things about how we can use the word I feel like, or I feel that. And we're not actually talking about emotions. We're not emotionally intelligent at all, even though we're using the word I feel. Mm. And then we give the antidote of here's how you speak differently that will actually force you to speak in a more emotionally intelligent way. Well, none of that was anywhere in all these best-selling books about emotional right. intelligence. Right. And I'm like, well, I want to have tools that break it down to specific language. Yeah. I had the opportunity to open businesses in Europe, in France, and Germany uh, shortly after September 11th, and I, I had to learn to lead in French and German. And so, language was actually a really practical tool for bringing new leadership insights. And a lot of, there's some of the stories in the book actually get into like subtle nuances between the differences between French and German and other languages and English. It's not a primary element of the book, but there's probably four or five of the talk shifts that were informed by subtle nuances, uh, differences in actual language, where English, specifically English speakers, when it comes to emotional intelligence, actually have a little bit of a disadvantage compared to people who speak in other languages. Really? Yeah, because of the, we use the word, if you were to look up the word feel in an English thesaurus, the word think is actually uh, a synonym for feel. Hmm. Well, in most other languages, you don't find that. And so we can talk about our feelings or think we're talking about our feelings, but we're really talking about our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's like talk shift number 18. It's kind of towards the end of the book. But uh, as I said, that's one of the things we get most frequently. People comment, like I opened the book and like less than 30 minutes after starting it, I already have two or three tools that I can start practicing immediately Yeah, in my life. Love books like that. Uh, one of my favorite books is... Uh what to say next, or it's basically a sales tool book, sold over a million copies. It sounds like your book is very similar from the standpoint of, again, leadership, but I guess leadership both in the family as well as leadership in in business. How do you get that message out? When I look at it, I think of business. So how do you get the message out that this is something that an 86-year-old grandma you know, will resonate with? You know, that was part of the strategy from the beginning is, well, publicly, it's position. If you go to Amazon or you see me talk at a, you know, if I do a keynote talk at some conference, it's usually more bit, you know, it's like 80% business with like a little subtle nod to, hey, you can use this in outside of business as well. 
but the way we do that is we do kind of do the end around with Facebook ads. I mean, we go direct, we target people yeah. and we have ads that allow us to, the interesting thing I mentioned, we did a second edition. The reason we did that second edition is because we actually had those, you know, some of those 80 year old grandmothers were actually saying, Hey, I, I bought this book off of a Facebook ad. And then when I got it, I, it felt like something, it felt like a business book too. So it was like, they felt like they were being bait and switched. Right. Uh, and part of that part is because we organized the book that the last third of it is actually the relationship stuff that, well, let's say the things that apply equally in relationships as well as in professional relationships. Uh, and there's like the first chapter is a very business, first two chapters are very business oriented. So what we did is we said, well, what we need to do is put a preface on the front. So all those people who are reading it for a personal relationship, we can essentially reframe the context to say, hey, this is a business book. But yeah. what I found is the underlying dynamics between a personal relationship and a professional relationship, when relationships fail is because we don't talk about things. We're afraid. There's this fear-fueled silence. Yeah. And ultimately, whether it's I'm with talking about my business partner or a key employee, if I'm a boss and I, if I'm an employee, I'm afraid to tell the boss what's really on my mind because I'm afraid of getting fired. Right. Well, and I'm going to use you know a traditional family role. If I am a, if I'm a stay-at-home mom married to a man who's the primary breadwinner and he's making a good income, I may be afraid to talk about what's really on my mind because like how am I going to support myself if we're divorced? Right. Right. So there's right. there's this these tools at some level are really here's conversation tools to help overcome the fear that causes people to stop talking about what bothers them. And if we don't know as leaders in a marriage or in a parenting or a relationship or in a business relationship, we don't know what's bothering people, then how can we change and shift our behavior to make things better? Yeah. Good. I love it. Well, we'll give them a link in just a few minutes on how people can get it. So very interesting how you connected those things. Talk to me a little bit about how you're using the book. You know, that's one thing that we do a little bit different on this podcast because our, you know, our listeners are generally business people, but they're authors who are, you know, looking for ways to use the book to make an impact and an income. Talk to me about how you're doing that and getting it into more people's hands that way. We kind of did again a little bit the opposite of what most people do. Like we we started with okay, let's see if we can make money off the book. You know, maybe have like a low priced video course at twenty nine thirty nine dollars. Right. You know, it's a really small product. Where most people who do this effectively, they say, hey, let me give away the book for you know five dollars, ten dollars, whatever, and I'll try to get people into like a coaching program at five hundred, a thousand, ten thousand dollars. And as you know, if you get one out of ten thousand people signing up for a ten thousand dollar. Works. coaching program, then it works, right? So we actually went the opposite and we we're like, well, let's see if we can kind of get this to be break even with just, you know, low end products, knowing that we can always add high ticket, you know, 5,000, oh, yeah. $10,000 programs later. And so the interesting thing was, that, you know, this is like as a business person, you know, when you bumping up to like 10,000 feet, when you see people who like transform industries, it's usually people who kind of overturn the assumptions, right? You kind of you start with a set of assumptions or here's a good example, like people who bootstrap companies versus companies that get like a hundred million dollars in funding, seed funding, right? If you got a hundred million dollars, you basically, you generally people tend to make different decisions than people who are bootstrapping and trying to go from one. So by setting this kind of constraint of saying, we have this book that, you know, there's literally a hundred minute million people just in the United States alone who could potentially benefit from this book. Let's see if we can just break even on the book itself. Right. 
took us down a very different path. And since we're kind of now to the point where we're essentially there, now it's the easy part, which is the high ticket and coaching program. If you decide to do that. uh, We will do that. I I don't know. Personally, I have like a very specific type of person that I want to coach, which is a very unique niche, a very small niche. But I also have a group of, you know, I guess one of the nice things about all those people that I hired to coach me uh, while building the book, I have actually a good number of people who I trust. And, you know, I, that I could say, hey, I can work with other third-party coaches as partners. Right. So that's kind of probably more likely what we're going to do. Love it. Unless we can figure out how to turn a reality TV show, a coaching, an online virtual coaching thing into a reality TV show, then that'd be something I'm interested in. Well, the only way something like that works is if it's an absolute train wreck, because that's all people want to watch on TV are train wrecks. <laughs> I don't know how much fun you'd have doing a train wreck, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that there's a, I don't know. I think that there's could be a inspiring things also work. And, you know, with editing, there's plenty of train wrecks. I guess that's way. true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, undercover yeah. millionaire, a now undercover billionaire that, that has worked very, very nicely. So that is possible. So love it. Love what you're doing, Krister. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much. Where can people get a copy of the book? What, you know, links can we send them to, to learn more about what you're doing? The book is at www.talkshift.com. Okay. In terms of speaking and things like I do, you know, in any coaching, that's at uh, www.christer.com. So Christer with a K.com. Okay. And then, of course, if, you know, we donate all of our profits to uh, charity, but if you prefer to give the profits to Jeff Bezos, you can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Love that. All right. You can, uh, you can help him put a couple extra drops of fuel into his next rocket. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm sure that going to talk shift, no S on the end, right? Just talkshift.com is the place that people should go. Or, of course, Christer.com. Love that. Love what you're doing. Uh, congratulations. Uh, really respect your commitment, both financial. Because, you know, where your money is, there your heart is as well. And so, you know, the fact that you've made such a financial commitment means that you really have your heart in this project. So congratulations on that and look forward to seeing the the cool things you do in the future with it. Thank you.